Welcome to the Viking Age podcast is the official podcast of the Viking My name is Chris Shad. I write for the Viking Age as well as bringing the news zone coverage and the Brookings register. We do this every Monday and with a late week episode right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. We're on Apple and Spotify the very next day if you prefer some podcast form. But however you consume us, don't forget to rate, comment, share, and subscribe. You never miss a new episode, and we can spread the word to the masses. Today's guest, he has written for Sports Illustrated, SB Nation, and NBC Sports Edge. He is currently the managing editor of the Vikings Wire and the Real Forno Show. And most importantly, he is celebrating a birthday today. So, Tyler Fornis, welcome to the show. And thank you for spending part of your birthday uh, with us on the Viking Age podcast. You're lucky I like you, Chris. I would have told most people no, but I'm excited to be here and talk some Vikings. I, I, I understand because when you mentioned that, I'm like, maybe he'll back out. Maybe he'll want to eat some cake. Are, are you a cake guy? Are you like, do, do you prefer something like brownies? Like, I like brownies more than cake. So I don't, I don't know, but. So uh, I'm not the biggest cake guy, but there are types of cake that I'm I'm big on. I'm actually a big pie guy. Give me okay. an apple pie and I'm a happy guy. Um, DQ ice cream cake. Yes. Absolutely elite choice. Um, wife bought me like a, a peanut butter cup version of the DQ ice cream cake, which is really good. Um, and then I'm also a really big carrot cake guy. Okay. Carrot cake absolutely rocks. And then the the little appreciated spice cake i love a good spice cake um it's it's almost like it's not pumpkin spice but it's kind of like pumpkin spice it's i don't really know how to describe it i just know it as a spice cake and it rules yeah i i agree you and i have something in common with the rock because i do like a good pie now and then uh as well um i also like you know brownies are big the deep Q ice cream cake, the little like self-serve ones, like just when you're feeling down about yourself, that's a good go-to. And then, uh, (laughs) yeah, hey, it's it's a Tuesday and I just wrote a bad article. I'm going to go get a little cake to make myself feel better. But I I don't know, like actual cake cake. I don't know what it is. I, I just feel like there are better options out there but i'm sure they all go great with a texas death mat oh gosh <sighs> listen when when you see hangman page not even come down for his entrance to start beating the piss out of sort of struggling and then stapling his child's artwork to his cheeks after sort of invaded his house i hated that angle but man did they pay it off like uh, just a little kid's drawing of mom dad stapled to yeah, your opponent's face, just all time stuff and drinking his blood. Let, let's also uh, go go that far. But maybe maybe that's a little too far. It's like, what do you guys watch? Listen, like, listen, holy shit. I, I will never say you should drink another guy's blood. But if you're doing a wrestling match and you decide that you're willing to take that risk. Bravo. That's art, baby. <laughs> That that is uh, yes, it is cinema, as the kids say. You know what else is cinema? Uh, Josh Dobbs rise as the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback. Well, at least the first two games, the second two games, not so much. But Josh Dobbs will start for the Minnesota Vikings against the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday afternoon. Kevin O'Connell evaluated his options over the bye week after Josh Dobbs turned the ball over four times against the Chicago Bears. Last time we saw them, uh, the options were Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins, and Jared Hall. So Josh Dobbs wins. Uh, his quote to reporters yesterday was, Josh has been as far as immediately providing spark and helping us win football games and transitioning to some tough outcomes where there's all kinds of things that we could do better. We could coach better. 
Josh has continued comfort in our offense, how we play, but also our offense and staff's ability to evolve and help Josh thrive is our plan. Is Josh Dobbs the best option for the Vikings to start against the Raiders on Sunday afternoon? It really depends on what your version of best is. Um, I was talking about this with Judd Zolgad on Purple Access, which will be out um, later uh, this afternoon on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. But it's such a complicated answer, Chris, because we're not just talking about who's the best on the field. It's not uh, necessarily about what is the future of the Vikings look like. And that that's the argument to start Jaron Hall, right? It, you want to see what you have for the future. I group these guys in the same bucket. Where if you're gonna rank them like one out of t- uh, like one to ten, I'm ranking him about a five or a six. Like the only difference between Hall and the other guys, he has a lower floor because he, he he's a rookie and he has a higher ceiling because you just don't know what he is yet. So that's why I would go with Hall. I understand why you'd go with Dobbs, and quite frankly, I get it. And to a point, I agree. We are not like like as a as media and as fans. We want to see this team win a Super Bowl. That, that's the whole idea behind watching football. You want to see your team win the title. But sometimes we have to also understand that the job of a head coach is to win football games. And even if you don't get that Super Bowl, you still need to win. And Dobbs right now, I think, gives you the best chance to win one game. Now, will that change? We'll find out what they have to work with after the bye. How much have they really modified what they're doing? Have they figured out a way to incorporate some of this run game action with Josh Dobbs? Have they figured out a way to uh, minimize some of those flaws that he has, especially with ball placement? Is Dobbs going to be more comfortable with this offense? How are How is the impact of Justin Jefferson going to be felt with his return? And I think you have to give him at least one game with Jefferson because then you're going to really be able to see how things are going to manifest in that facet. I, I, I would still go with Hall, but you also have to deal with the locker room and the locker room knows you're trying to win football games. That's the whole idea. And they see Hall every day in practice. Hall might not be the best option. And if he's not, you just can't start him. And then the guys will be like, well, we're not really trying to win. We're trying to just plan for the future. You have to be upfront with your guys. Now, if Dobbs stinks on Sunday, and this is just conjecture hypothetical, then maybe you can be like, look, we think Hall has an be- opportunity to do more than Nick Mullins, so we're going to start Hall the rest of the year. You can have that conversation and be more confident, and it, the players will feel it is more genuine rather than, hey, we're just going to give up the last five games because we lost two in our six and six. So I get the idea to, to play Dobbs. I don't love it, but I, I also think it, it's the right decision. You know, I, I like what you said because... When it comes to Jaron Hall, if we did like a dating game type thing, right, where, you know, maybe Justin Jefferson's on one side of the curtain, you got the three quarterbacks on the other. If you take out the records, if you take out everything, I think blind test, Jaron Hall is the best option for the Vikings, because if you look at his big time throw percentage, which is a PBFF metric might be a little bit subjective, but I think it's interesting because when you look at the return of Justin Jefferson, one of the things that Kevin O'Connell said was to he wanted to find the quarterback that maximizes Justin Jefferson's skill set. So so I'm thinking about two things personally when he says something like that. One, he can't be afraid to give Justin Jefferson the ball in a tight window. Like you have to have the mentality that's Justin freaking Jefferson mm-hmm. out there. I'm just going to go for it. The other thing that's interesting to me is turnover worthy play percentage. Josh Dobbs has one of the highest turnover rates uh, or turnover worthy play rates in the NFL right now. 
I think he's eighth among active quarterbacks, and he could soar up after tonight's banger of a matchup between uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Mac Jones, but that's another story. You know, when you look back at BYU, you look back at what Jaron Hall did. He had a high big-time throw rate, Mm -hmm. and he had a decent turnover-worthy play rate. Probably Those numbers probably even out with the pro game transition. But, I mean, if I'm looking at the options, I think Jaron Hall's that guy. The problem is you need to win. Like you mentioned, you're Mm -hmm. six and six. You're in a playoff race. It's go time, so to speak. You know, should Jaron Hall have gotten more of a shake from Kevin O'Connell to start this game? I think you could argue that he was never in in the conversation. And I think you can start with the post-game news press conference and then the day after when O'Connell spoke to the media last Tuesday. Hall was kind of an afterthought. And I think we have to remember, Hall wasn't going to start that game against the Falcons if Mullins was healthy. It was always going to be Mullins. Mullins has been firmly the number two guy. Now, in training camp, they started giving Hall more work with the twos and pulling Mullins back. And that wasn't necessarily to insult Mullins. It was just to get Hall more reps, more opportunities, because that's going to be the time that he gets to play the most is during the preseason and training camp and get those reps to really help his growth and development. But it was always Mullins. It was Mullins first. And I think that's something that we just haven't necessarily mentioned or really thought about a whole lot. It's always been Mullins. And I think Hall gives you the best opportunity to potentially be more, but it's also the biggest wild card. It's the biggest... uh, It's like putting all your money on like 23 and 34 on a roulette wheel. If you hit one of those, oh buddy, you're getting paid 80 times your money. But if you miss, you're done. And he's just too volatile of an option. And sometimes you just can't go with that high risk, high reward when you're playing these games that just mean so much as far as getting to the playoffs. Like, look, we want to have a top 10 draft pick. Yeah. But it's not always as simple as wanting a top 10 draft pick. There's so many other elements at play. And when they're trying to really keep and keep this established culture that they did last season where these guys believe that they're always trying to win. They believe in each other. And we saw that manifest during that five game winning streak. You can't make those kinds of calls and you have to continue to try and win. That doesn't mean you can't like continue to develop Jaron Hall. That doesn't mean he can't get an opportunity next year or beyond, but it's not always as simple as, Hey, we think this guy could end up being the best, but he's the third option right now. And, we just kind of have to live with it. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at the reality of the situation, Job Stobbs is going to be that guy. You know, one of the things that was most disheartening about that loss to the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Josh Dobbs made some bad throws. Yeah. He made some poor decisions like hang on to the ball when you're going to the ground, dude. Like, it's OK. You can you can take the sack. It's not that big of a deal. Um, You know, do you think that Kevin O'Connell kind of let him down in that Bears game because he only had two rushing attempts? it seemed like they were trying to make him more of a pocket passer than an actual like running quarterback. Like, what do you think the Vikings can do in order to get more out of Josh Dobbs? Not just on Sunday, but I I mean, I think he's the starter the rest of the season, unless things really go poorly. I think you need to add some of that run game element. And it, it's not always as simple as just add the add rushing uh, attempts for your quarterback. They didn't have those plays in there for Kirk cousins. And for good reason, that's not Cousins' game. So when you have a quarterback that's coming in midseason and trying to learn the entirety of the offense, you're not going to install new plays for the entire offense when your quarterback doesn't even understand the verbiage yet. Now that we're about six weeks in once game time hits on Sunday, you're going to be able to have the ability to 
implement some of those things. And I think that's where the bye week is so crucial. There's going to be time for Dobbs and this offense to be able to add some RPOs, to add read options, to add maybe quarterback sweeps. Like you can do some of those things now. You couldn't do them earlier. And it, should they have been able to do it earlier? We can have that conversation. But Dobbs not knowing the offense was the biggest hurdle. Now with Jaron Hall, if Dobbs was on the... Uh, the team since the beginning of the season, I think you could have added them a whole lot earlier because he would have already had the verbiage down. He would have already had a con- conceptual understanding of the offense and not having C- O'Connell in that Falcons game, tell him, Hey, curl flat on the right when nobody in the NFL calls a curl flat. So we're, we're at, at a deep enough point where I think we're going to start seeing more of that. If we don't, I think we can really start to ask other questions because I think when we pick a quarterback of the future, I think the focus is going to be too much on the running aspect. I I really don't think O'Connell is going to want somebody who's a runner. I think he's going to want a Justin Herbert arch type. What I mean by that is a quarterback that can run if you need and can create if you need, but is going to want to stay in the pocket and kill you from there. And that, that conceptual idea is what I think the Vikings are going to target here moving forward. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here at the end of the show, because I do want to dive into the future, maybe some of their options at quarterback going forward. But when it comes to Sunday, you know, how big of a leash are you giving Josh Dobbs? Cause I mean, the whole thing, I said this on Monday, the whole thing kind of reeked of like when you have a, let's say you start a Mari Cooper in your fantasy league and like, he gets like no catches for no yards. And you're like, I'm never starting Amari Cooper again. Then you look to your bench and your options are like Doriel Green Beckham and um, Christian Michael. Maybe it's a flex spot. And you're like, yeah, I better start Amari Cooper. Like, that's kind of what this feels like. Like, how much are you giving Josh Dobbs until you say, all right, I've seen enough. We got to go with Mullins. Yeah. Um, the Mullins idea is interesting, Chris. And I talked about it earlier this week. I actually thought the Vikings were going to be picking Mullen because of the limitations that Josh Jobs just has. He can't place the ball well enough. And you saw that manifest in that Jordan Addison deep ball. You saw it manifest on that fourth and eight TJ Hawkinson. He's just, and there were multiple opportunities over the past couple of weeks where he's throwing like in routes and the ball should be on this shoulder and it's thrown behind. And then all of a sudden Pat Sertan's knocking it down because it's here instead of here. Like those matter. And that's why the NFL is called the game of inches. Mullins isn't good. I, I I think he's a really good backup quarterback, but a really good backup quarterback, still not very good. But what he can do is some of the things that Cousins does. Meticulous, drop back, precise, throwing with accuracy in the pocket. How, much, how far is that going to get you? I don't know. But I trust Mullins to make those pinpoint throws more than I trust Josh Dobbs. And I thought that was the direction the Vikings might go. They chose not to. And I think if Dobbs ends up struggling, kind of as you mentioned with that, that idea of the short leash, um, I wonder if, if he struggles in the first half, if they'll pull him. And with the understanding that, look, you've now played arguably four, sorry, six straight halves of bad football. It's just time. You're just not performing well. And we gave you ample time to fix it. We gave you ample time to try and figure it out. It's not working. We need to try something new. I mean, you could probably go all the way back to the Saints game if you want to make a case for pulling Dobbs because mm-hmm. the second half of that Saints game wasn't great. Denver, they just kind of pressured him uh, throughout the game. I don't know how much that early hits by, uh, I'm blanking on the name, Denver safety keeps launching himself like a ram. Kareem, into Jackson. People's, uh, Kareem Jackson, thank you. Um, I don't know how much that hit may have played into it. And then the Bears game, which was just an absolute disaster. Um, if they do decide to go to Nick Mullins at any point, it won't be 
a knee jerk decision. I think it's been probably about a month worth of, you know, evidence like, hey, we, we need to do something else, don't you think? Yeah. And I'm going to be really intrigued to see how O'Connell handles this, Chris, because we've never had a situation like this since arguably like the Christian Ponder Matt Castle days. And those were dark times for us Vikings fans. They were dark times. And Mike Zimmer comes in the next year. They draft Teddy Bridgewater. Castle starts until he hurts his leg. And then Bridgewater comes in during that Saints game in week three. And then the rest is history. And then it's kind of evolved to the point where we are here. But we've never had to deal with an injured quarterback since Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater. So it's just a weird dichotomy. And it's interesting to see how O'Connell's navigating these waters. And right now, I'd give him an A minus. I thought, I think he's navigated it very well. He's handled things professionally. It seems like he's handled things well from an outsider's perspective with the locker room, just how players have handled it, how players are talking to the media. And I think that's objectively a great thing. Now, has it manifested itself into a lot of wins? No. The last two weeks, we should have won. And it should be uh, eight and four instead of six and six. But it's also the NFL inches matter in this game. So Tyler Fornis and Chris Shad here on the Viking Age podcast. It's Thursday afternoon. We are live on the Viking Age YouTube channel. If you got a comment, go ahead, drop it. Uh, If it's good, we'll uh, throw it on the screen. Maybe have a quick chat about it. Maybe get you a little bit of pub here. But thank you for joining us. Uh, We switch gears here to Sunday afternoon's game. The Minnesota Vikings travel to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, The Vikings will kick off at 3.05 p.m. Minnesota is favored by two and a half points, according to the Action Network. Kevin Kugler and Mark Sanchez will be on the call. And most importantly, Sunday's game will feature the return of Justin Jefferson after he missed the last seven games with a hamstring injury. Uh, what are you expecting uh, in Justin Jefferson's first game back from his injury? Yeah, he's going to be Justin Jefferson. Um, they're going to try and get him the ball. They're going to do everything they can to make him Justin Jefferson. And I think he's going to be a massive part of this team. I think he's going to be a major focus for the Minnesota Vikings. And look, even if Jefferson just being on the field is going to help TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. Um, I actually just wrote, uh, we do a group piece every week for the wire sites like one prop bet from each team to bet on. I I think Jordan Addison over 34 and a half receiving yards is the the hit of the week. He's done so in 10 of the 12 games so far this season. The only two anomalies were the zero catches he had against the Panthers and three for 28 against the Bears at Soldier Field the first week without Jefferson when they were still trying to get their bearings back. So I think he's going to be a really big positive for this offense as a whole. And I think it's something that you should feel pretty comfortable with. Um, now is he going to get like 10 receptions? I can't tell you that, but I feel comfortable that he's going to be used in a, a somewhat cautious way until he really gets a couple drives in him. And he, he's like, yeah, coach, I feel good. And then I think they're going to really start to pepper the ball in and we'll see how that manifests itself with uh numbers. Yeah. The Raiders secondary is a little bit suspect. They waived Marcus Peters about a week or two ago. Uh, they claimed Jack Jones from the Patriots, uh, a little bit later, and then uh, their top corner is Amik Robinson, but or uh, Robertson, excuse me, but uh, he's only like five nine. So when you look at all of those things, like it, it's kind of I, I don't really know what I'm saying here. It feels like a secondary that's ripe for the picking, right? No matter who your quarterback is, you're looking at you know a situation where Justin Jefferson can get his TJ Hawkinson can get his Jordan Addison can get his there's a lot of meat on the bone for the Vikings to take advantage of that 
And I think, too, what you got to do is I, I don't think you go out there and you start chucking deep bombs to Justin Jefferson. I think it's going to be like short passes, maybe some tunnel screens and stuff. Start working in those intermediate routes. Mm-hmm. I like what you said, where you start slow. And then if he feels good, you say, hey, let's build it up. Let's get going and everything else. And I think that's what the Vikings need to do on Sunday. Yeah, I, I just realized that my camera is just being all weird. Um, I got this new camera and it's like... Uh, so it, it it like tracks movement and stuff, but now it's I don't know what it's doing. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna try and figure that out. I, I, Chris, re ask me the question again because this camera has got me all kinds of wired up. I, it is funny you mentioned that because in the back of my head I'm like, what's he doing with his camera? Like, what, what's going on? Like, I didn't do Odie anything. like jump in the background and it's just like, hey, uh, there's a dog there. It, it's got ADD. Um, how can the Vikings kind of maximize Justin Jefferson on Sunday in the early going? You said kind of getting him off to a slow start and picking things up. What do you think the Vikings can do to kind of ease him in? Well, I got it fixed. That that's what matters here. Um, I just get him the ball, a uh, couple screens, a couple like speed outs, uh, you know, where it's just like a little five yard out route, like just get him a couple touches, get him running routes or, you know what? Just say, screw it and chuck it deep. Like just get him the ball, get him comfortable, see what he feel he wants to run and kind of utilize the game plan of this defense and go. Like, I I don't think you need to baby him. You've already babied him enough. He hasn't played football in eight weeks. Just like, you don't need to just like go all guns blazing, but just let him go. Let him have fun. Let him go play ball. And I, I think whatever the game plan would be with a normal Justin Jefferson, I think just needs to be the game plan here. I don't think you need to do anything special other than maybe just get him a couple quick touches to get him back in the flow and the feel of it. You turn him loose. You turn him loose is what you do. Yes. Um, other than Justin Jefferson, what are some of the other things you're looking forward to in Sunday's game? I want to see Max Crosby versus Darison Brian O'Neill. I want to see how the Vikings can neutralize him. Because look, Max Crosby is the top three pass rusher in football and nobody talks about him. Why? He plays for the Raiders and nobody cares about the Raiders because they've been bad and it's not his fault. He's been the best part of the Raiders over the course of the past few years and he's getting paid buku buck. He just donated $1.1 million to um, Eastern Michigan, his uh, alma mater. And I think they just named the football field after him Um, or maybe it was the athletic complex. I can't remember, but like Crosby has done so much in his career and he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And nobody talks about him because he plays for the Raiders. Uh, but he personifies what a Raider is. Tough. Um, they're just a great football player. And he just goes, goes, goes. He's a grinder. And I, I want to see how the Vikings offensive line uh, ends up attacking that him and how they end up defending him. I think that's going to be really interesting. Off the field. I'm interested to see how many Vikings fans make the trip to Vegas. Because... Everybody that I talked to at least considered going. I considered going before Mm -hmm. I saw how much tickets were. Granted, I spent way too much on a Royal Rumble ticket, but that's neither here or there. Um, Where's the Rumble this year? It is in Tampa, Florida. So that is, I actually have a friend that is uh, 15 minutes from Tropicana Field. Okay, so So, at least you're staying um, for free. Absolutely. Yeah, the tickets... The tickets are very close. They are seventh row ringside. So I am very uh, excited. Jesus, that's like a month's January. rent. <laughs> that That is a monster. I, I'll tell you how much it was off air. Some people know. Some people don't. Oh. But hey, hey, go go follow your passion. Right. Hey, wait, go. go how are you going to take the chair home with you? Oh, I, I just ship it. Okay. 
I'm done. I got four chairs in the corner here. Uh, I went to Royal Rumble in Phoenix and I wanted to, I think they charged me like 50 bucks to get, just have it on the flight. So, I mean, it's not that bad. Okay. Otherwise, some people will just give you a hundred bucks on the street. Like, Hey, you want your chair? Like, I don't know. I'm going to get home. Sure. Yeah. hundred bucks. Cool. Dr- drinking money for the rest of the night. There you go. Um, one of the things that I'm excited for, how many Minnesotans, I believe it was, I, I, uh, vivid seats has this fan forecast thing. Yeah. It was like put 54% out there. Vikings fans. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I emailed them this morning to see if they could give me a like more accurate number this morning and haven't seen anything. So, uh, 54%. Vikings fans at Allegiant. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done stadium uh it's 55 degrees in december oddly enough in brookings as we're recording this so Mm -hmm. that's pretty bonkers i also want to see which offense is going to be the most consistent because when you look at the raiders offense they're a lot like the vikings but they didn't have their starting quarterback blow his achilles they just went with aiden o'connell who's a rookie um i think the vikings can get pressure on o'connell he holds on to the ball way too long and they haven't done a good job of utilizing their weapons. Like Devontae Adams, obviously one of the top receivers in the league. Jacoby Myers has had a nice season, but again, nobody knows about that because he plays for the Raiders. Uh, Michael Meyer, tight end. I like him a lot. And then you have Josh Jacobs in the backfield, who's, you know, kind of, you, you know, it's running backs are almost like dog ears, right? Mm-hmm. Like a guy hits 26 and you're like, I don't know. We're kind of pushing it here. Um, Josh Jacobs will have good games and he won't have good games. Devontae Adams, it's like Justin Jefferson a couple years. He'll have five catches in the first half and then they won't target him the rest of the game. It, it's really strange. Yeah. So I think the first team that finds a flow is going to win this game on Sunday. Yeah. I, I think that's an interesting idea. 
the one thing about the Raiders offense is they're w- the worst offense in generating explosive plays. So explosive plays, I believe, are quantified 15 yard rushes and 20 uh, yard passes. And that's not good. And especially going against the Vikings defense, that has been so difficult for quarterbacks to really manufacture anything. And now you have O'Connell who struggles under the face of pressure and does not have the type of arm to be able to really make you pay. Uh, I think the Vikings are just going to blitz him to oblivion and and make him make these really, really quick decisions. And it's going to be just a nightmare for him. Um, I I think that's one of the big things that I think the Vikings have an advantage in is the defense is just going to suffocate and suffocate and suffocate O'Connell in the pocket. And it's not going to be fun for him. He's going to, he's going to really, really struggle. And I'm really excited to kind of see how that manifests predictions. What did you got for a prediction for Sunday's game? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, probably Vikings 23 Raiders 13. I don't think the Vikings are going to score a lot of points, but I don't think they're going to allow the Raiders to score a lot of points. And this defense is legit. I thought they could finish top 20 in either like yards allowed or points allowed. They're eighth in points allowed per game. Eight in the national football league. It's an incredible turnaround. Brian Flores should be assistant of the year. And there's yeah. a chance he doesn't get a job next year because he's suing the national football league. And whether you think that's fair or not, wouldn't uh, like if you're suing the national football league, technically you're suing owners and are the owner's going to want to hire somebody as their head coach, somebody that's suing them. That I think that's, that's a really interesting discussion. And it's not whether about Flores is right or wrong. It's just, the concrete facts of the case. Brian Flores suing the NFL. Therefore, he is suing ownership. And uh, if the Vikings can have him back next year, holy crap, you get in um, a quarterback. And I, I don't think it'll be Kirk Cousins because he's going to be 36 and coming off a torn Achilles. How much is that going to impact his arm strength? Because you get so much of it from your base. I think it'll be a new quarterback. And then, oh, Kevin O'Connell for a new quarterback. And you have all these weapons and you have a good offensive line, great offensive tackles, get a quarterback and a good running back and another receiver. You're off to the races. I will talk about that in just a second here because it's fair. You bring that up. I want to give my prediction here. Like Clubber Lang and Rocky always said, my prediction is always pain when it comes to the Vikings. I said on Monday, I think the Vikings lose this game. But I also said a couple of weeks ago that the Vikings would lose either, either keyword, the game in Denver or the game in Vegas. I figured they would trip up in one of them. Didn't see the Bears loss coming, but I do think that it is a game that the Vikings can win because the Raiders just are not consistent on offense. So it'll be a one-score game. It always has to be that I don't make the rules for the Vikings. They have to play a one-score game. Even up, even if they're up 38-7, to they'll win 38-35. Um I will say Vikings win in Vegas 20 to 17. Ah, so you think it's going to be a push for per Vegas. All right. I'll put what, what's the over under. Is it? Uh, no, uh, no. Um, the line is Vikings minus three. So that's oh, a okay. push. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I said, I, I had two and a half on the action network when I looked this morning. So maybe it did go back. It also depends bit, on what sports break you're looking at. I think the consensus yeah. odds are still minus three. Okay, so so a push for Vegas. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't see him kicking the shit out of them. That, that's like the yeah. thing. I think it'll be one of those games where we're all sitting there holding our breath, like, can they make enough plays? And I, I think with Justin Jefferson back, uh, the Vikings will get the job done. It just won't be. Like I said, I don't make the rules of Vikings football. It has to be one score. We, we've done this for like, what, four or five years? It has, has to be a one-score game, no matter what. You know what else is in the rules of Vikings football? Being super competitive at all times. I actually was filling out a wish list for a gift exchange in my family. And I saw this shirt 
It said rebuilding since 1961. And I looked at it and I said, shouldn't it say super competitive since 1961? Because I think that would be more accurate than in the hunt since 1961, because that's where the Vikings are right now. They're currently in the sixth seed coming into Sunday's game. The Green Bay Packers with a third coming of Jesus Christ. Jordan Love is right on their heels. They're going to play on New Year's Eve. Do you think the Vikings make the playoffs? And if so, how far do you see them going? I don't think any results for the Vikings would surprise me. And I don't mean that as a cop-out answer. I just mean that in reality because we just don't know what the Vikings are going to be, right? I think the Vikings are going to end up making the playoffs. They're probably going to be the sixth seed and they're going to get, if it's the sixth seed, they're probably going to end up getting the Detroit Lions. Um, I still think there's a chance the Vikings win the division because the Lions have a tough schedule. They go to Chicago this week. They also play two games against the Vikings and one game against the Dallas Cowboys. All the Vikings have to do is stop them. If the Vikings win out, they can still win the division. Oh, yeah. And then they play the Broncos next weekend. That's not an easy schedule. They could realistically go one and four or oh and five. They could also run the gauntlet. Like nothing would surprise me about the Lions finish either. So the Vikings just win. Win and you're in. That's all you got to do. Win and you're in. Um, I think if they get to the playoffs, I think they could make the divisional round. Um, if they get the right matchup in the division round, maybe they can pull it out. Uh, I mean, they played the Eagles really competitive. I'm not very high on the Eagles. I'm personally struggling with how good I think Jalen Hurts is as a quarterback because of just a multitude of factors. Like you can't argue with the success, but how much of that has to do with Jalen Hurts? Is he a good enough processor and able to layer the ball in nicely? Or is he just kind of like a deep ball and screen merchant? And with his running ability, they're able to do a lot more. Like I, I just don't know how to quantify him yet. And I'm just personally struggling with how to do that, but nothing would surprise me with this Vikings team. I think they go in five, the last five games. I don't think I'd be, I, I okay, that would surprise me a little bit, but it wouldn't be like devastating. I guess like this team is just in a weird spot and they're playing with house money without Kirk cousins. I think the Vikings get in, but I think it will be as the seven seed because the Packers schedule from here on out is just a cakewalk. Uh, Vikings hold the the tiebreaker, though, and if they win on New Year's Eve, they still hold the tiebreaker. Yep, absolutely. But I don't know. Like I said, I I joked on Monday, too. Like, the NBC broadcast was like Packer propaganda. It's like, look at Jordan Love. Jordan Love is the second coming. Ah, It'd be the third coming this time. Trying your eyes open. Yes, third coming. I I know. Yes. But I know it hurts when your eyes are, you know, that that scene, uh, right, where they pry his eyes open and like propaganda. The actor actually, mm-hmm. when he was screaming, he was actually screaming in pain because he like scratched his cornea or something in his eye. Like, I, I don't know if you knew, but I read that once and I was just like, oh, and like the director's like, this is awesome. Keep it going. He's like, no, no, no. Seriously, it's like hurts. Like, stop it for the love of God. Let's do something. Yeah, know? that's how I feel watching all the praise about Jordan Love right now, because I've seen this for like 30 years and I can't like shake it out of my head that now he's just going to be Patrick Mahomes on an even greater level. But um, let's say the Vikings get the seven seed like I think they do. And they go into the wild card round. They go to Philadelphia or they go to San Francisco with MVP candidate Brock Purdy. And they just get absolutely clown hammered. Was it worth it for the Vikings? Because you have that deep quarterback class. You had that slow start. You had a team that can't stop turning the ball over. Like just because you tank doesn't mean you'll get it right. Shout out to David Tepper. But I mean, sometimes you got to lean into that opportunity, don't you? No, 
No. Um, it, this is a very difficult conversation. And let's start here. You're establishing a culture. Yes, you'd love to have the top pick. But with this amount of talent, you can't have the top pick unless you trade for it. You just can't. And that's kind of the reality. And even when you're trying to establish a culture like Kevin O'Connell is, and I think they've done a good job of it. They're, he's 19 and 10 as a starting or Sorry, not the starting quarterback, the head coach of this football team over the first two years. Yeah, you want to be able to be within shouting distance of those guys. You want it. But is it really worth all the sacrifice you're going to have to do to get it? Because all of a sudden, instead of having a great infrastructure for that quarterback to be able to succeed right away, you're going to have to rip apart some of those component pieces in order to make that happen. Is that worth it? And they've already done a good job of trying to win games with the quarterbacks that they have. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I wouldn't rather have Drake May than Kirk Cousins. I absolutely would rather have Drake May than Kirk Cousins on a long-term basis. But they've done so much in establishing this culture and building this culture. Now you can just continue to add pieces and you've elevated a lot of the talent currently on the roster. So you get a guy and I'll be honest, this isn't as deep of quarterback class as we thought six weeks ago. Um, Shadir Sanders is going back. Cam Ward is in the transfer portal. He, I would be shocked if he didn't end up at Ohio state and then he could be the number one guy in 2025. Um, Bo Nix. We'll talk about him. I think he sucks. Um, like there is this quarterback class is two guys and then a lot of questions. Um, and if you like one of those guys, go take him. But I I don't think it's ever a mistake to win football games. And you'll hear analytics guys. And I used to kind of be one of them a little bit. And I'll admit, I, I like I've changed course and I think I was wrong. But losing 16 games and then getting that quarterback just so you can win five games the next year and maybe have the guy long term. It's not as smart of a strategy as you might think. I would rather do what the Chiefs did. And you're not going to find Patrick Mahomes. But just trade up for the guy and go get that quarterback and pay what you need to pay to go get it. The Vikings almost traded up for Anthony Richardson last year. They had an offer on the table at the Cardinals and the Cardinals balked because the Vikings picked a 23. Like they didn't want to go down that far. So when you look at those elements, like I'd rather kind of sit where we're at and just continue to build this team and continue to try and do that. Because as much as a great quarterback helps, I think it's, less important that they're a great quarterback and it's becoming more important than you have the right coaching and the right system in place and being able to maximize the talent uh, all encompassing quarterback still important. And I think we know that, but I don't think you need that elite elite quarterback anymore. Just look at the guys who are okay. Having just immense amounts of success Two was a fringe top 10 guy, a lot of success. Jalen hurts. I talked about how I, I struggled quantifying him as a great quarterback. Look at how much success he's having. Look at how much success Tua is having down in Miami with those weapons. Brock Purdy. We're not talking elite, elite quarterbacks. Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback talent. He's five and seven. Yeah. The talent around you and the coaching matters so much that I I think the path that the Vikings are on is the right one. See, this this is where it concerns because you make good points. Like, I agree with everything you just said, like some of the mediocre quarterbacks are getting elevated by what's around them. And when you look at the Vikings, there are a lot of things that can elevate a quarterback. You still need a running back, but you know, running backs don't matter. They don't have a soul from what I've heard. (laughs) Um, You know, I look at this and I worry that the Vikings are just going to go like, well, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in this quarterback class. I don't know. Should we just sign Kirk Cousins? Let's let's bring Kirk back. And like you mentioned, too, 
There's a lot of question marks with Kirk after that Achilles mm-hmm. injury because, I mean, Dan Marino tore his Achilles and he was done. Like he was washed. Yeah. Like that was it. And, and like, I, I look at this and I'm like, I'd rather use that money to keep Daniel Hunter if you can. Like, Give Hunter his payday, have him be the, especially if you keep Brian Flores next year, like Mm -hmm. re-sign Daniel Hunter and let him cook in that defense. The other thing that kind of, you know, worries me, I heard during Monday Night Football, Joe Buck mentioned that Kevin O'Connell was desperate to bring Kirk Cousins back. Like, here's the thing about Kirk Cousins. I know you don't like WWE. I'm going to use a WWE reference just for one second here. There is no such thing as main event Kirk Cousins, okay? Main event Kirk Cousins exists when the San Francisco 49ers have have their guys either banged up or out, and he can shred their defense for 300 yards. And if he throws that pick to Jordan Addison right before halftime, we're not talking about like a 49er win. We're talking about, you know, the 49ers beating the Vikings and maybe this team being five and seven, but I digress like this obsession with Kirk cousins, like, Oh my God, we can make a mistake. And like, what if, what if Bo Nix does turn out to be Christian Ponder or what if, you know, uh, what, if, what if, what if we do take Michael Penix and his knees, like, you know, cooked ribs in an air fryer. Like there's a whole bunch of questions, but at some point you just got to look at a guy and be like, that's the guy we like. We're going to trade for him. And if you don't, you can bounce back in a couple of years and you can take another one. Mm-hmm. That is where I'm kind of like, do not cave into the head of the negotiating table, Kirk Cousins, where he comes in, he's like, acknowledge me. And he gets a $40 million fully guaranteed contract. I don't think you can give him that with that Achilles injury. Now, if he would have continued this level of play and was healthy, I, I think you can make that argument. But Achilles injuries are so devastating. And a, a lot of the power of a quarterback's arm comes from their base. Is he going to be able to be able to generate that much power with that Achilles injury? Achilles injuries historically take a couple years to heal. He could just be done. And I, I don't mean that in a morbid way. I don't mean that. And I'm wishing it on him. We're just talking re realistically. It's plausible. He's just done. And that kind of sucks. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't give him a big contract. I I consider like 20 million bucks. And I think O'Connell wants the person back. I think he wants the idea of cousins back. But I think once you kind of look at where he's at and what he could possibly be versus the other options out there, considering all the financial implications, I think uh, that they will end up changing their tune because uh, like a lot of that element was just so, um, so emotional. And the, I think the idea of Kirk cousins is what they really want. And the physical manifestation of what his body will be next season, I think is going to be a different story. We're running out of time a little bit here. But I'm just going to ask you, so let's say the Vikings don't bring Kirk Cousins back and they dive into the draft. Who is your favorite to be quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings in 2024? Let me tell you who it's not. And it's not Bo Nix. Gosh, there are going to be people in the Vikings media sphere that want Bo Nix as their quarterback. And I'm going to be fighting them tooth and nail like I did with Hennon Hooker. Oh, we're going to fight, Chris. We're going to yeah. fight. Um, well, go ahead. I, I, I'm not going to fight because I don't. You watch more tape than I do. Like I. I, I'm a that boy nice watcher and I, I like his mobility. Here's what here's what I like. I, I will say that physically I like and, and I've seen your arguments, too, and I agree with what you're saying, too. But physically, he's got the size. He's got the arm um, that 2019 Outback Bowl is still burned into my brain. But I'm also kind of thinking maybe Oregon fixed him. And you look at Justin Herbert. He ran a lot of screens. He ran a lot of the stuff that Bo Nix ran at Oregon. And he turned out to be fine. So what what do you think is kind of the difference? Am I helmet scouting? Like, wh- why, wh- you know, wh- what's your knock on Bo Nick? 
So it's, it's, it's a combination of two things, Chris. One, it's helmet scouting. And two, it, you're, you are seeing some of the same concept. The difference with what Mario Cristobal wanted to do is he wanted to throw the ball horizontally. He did not want to throw it vertically. Bo Nix can't. And what I mean by that is if you give him a perfect pocket, he can throw a nice deep ball. Anybody can throw a nice deep ball with a perfect pocket. Like that's just basic quarterback play. What he can't do is see an intermediate crosser 20 yards down the field who's breaking wide open. And he sees that and he's like, no, I'm chicken. I'm just going to dump it off. His average depth of target is 6.9 yards. That's one of the lowest in the history of the AP top 25. Like it's just abysmally low. And there's 65% of his passing yards were generated after the catch. 2,700 of the 4,400 passing yards Oregon had last year. Sorry, 2,886 of that 4,400. That those are all after the catch. That's just abysmal. And he's he doesn't see well down the field. He doesn't make his progressions well. Kerb Harris Street was drooling over him during the Pac-12 title game, saying, "Oh, he he goes through his progressions really well." I'm like, dude, you are a quarterback. What are you seeing? Because he's not doing that. And they're not asking him to do that because it's consistent half field reads because he can't make a full field progression and he can't do those things. And the only way he could be successful is if Kyle Shanahan tells him to be a robot. And Hey, if this guy's not open, you run and like, that's it. That's, I think that's his path to success. He has the most starts in the history of college football at 61 and there, he hasn't shown nearly enough improvement or the idea of that. He's going to make massive improvements. So I'm completely out on Bonex. I gave him a fourth round grade. I think he could be a fine backup, but you're never going to want him starting for your football team. As far as my favorite, it's Drake May. Drake May is a proto prototype of Justin Herbert. The arm talent, the ability to throw a javelin. It, it, it's not just the high arc. It's the flat arc. And he just throws it 50 yards down the field just beautifully. Uh, he can move. He's got the same body type and build. And he does all these things really well. He's not a flawless prospect, but he does so well within structure. That's why he's my number one guy. Caleb Williams, it's like one play. He looks like a high school quarterback. The next play, he looks like God. And it's just so inconsistent. He doesn't go through progressions well. He wants to make sports centers top 10 with every single throw. And he needs to learn how to take five to 10 yard gains. And I just wonder if he's ever going to be able to fix that mentality. A lot of guys can, some guys can't. And it gives me real worry about him as an NFL quarterback that he's never going to figure that out. Well, I'd rather take the guy who already has that figured out and still has elite upside than the guy who might have slightly more upside. And I have massive question mark about the basics of quarterback play. I'm looking a little bit here at uh PFF's college grade. So to your credit, Bo Nix, 0.8% turnover worthy play rate. Pretty good, right? 4% big time throw percentage. You look at that and you go, well, I mean, that's fine. Uh, Ethan Kaliak Manis had a higher big time throw percentage than Bo Nix this season. You look at Drake May. Sorry, I got to scroll up. Was it May something absurd like 8%? 7.5%. It's the eighth highest in the country among uh, quarterbacks and a 1.9 turnover worthy play percentage. Another quarterback that's kind of interesting and starting to shoot up draft boards a little bit is Jaden Daniels as well. 8.4 big time throw percentage. 1.6 turnover-worthy play percentage. So You're um, okay seeing that turnover-worthy play percentage rise up a little bit because yeah. that big-time throw rate is so high. Like yes. That was the thing with Cousins. We were okay dealing with the interceptions last year because he was trying to make big-boy throws. He was trying to make things happen with tight windows. And you live with some interceptions that way. Like that That's just reality of football. 
I'd rather him do that than just be a safe boy, chuck d- dumping it off all the time. And that's what Bonix does. Bonix doesn't make turnover worthy plays because they're all safe. Everything he does is a safe play. And when and that quarterback is twenty, yeah, when that quarterback is going to be twenty four next season, yeah. it's an even bigger problem because it's not like you can develop it. Uh, Michael Penix, you know, he's got a good rate as well, six point seven big time throw rate. 1.5 turnover worthy play rate. The only thing I don't like about Penix is that I'd have to type everything twice into my computer because, well, tr- try it yourself. <laughs> Just try it yourself and see what my problem is. Michael um, Penix screams to me like if they had the NFL version of basketball, he'd be an all pro. <laughs> like, and I don't mean that as an insult. The dude can throw a football. Yes. But I, I just worry about his success in the National Football League for a myriad of factors. But if man, if there was an NFL basketball, he'd be he'd be a top pick. Um, the other thing is he reminds me of Hennon Hooker, not because of age, but just because of his what does he got? Four knee injuries and a shoulder injury. That two two torn ACLs and uh torn labor minutes. Uh, I think it's non throwing shoulder. I will say this: Bo Nix's comp to me is Hendon Hooker, but can scramble. Okay, yeah, I I like that. Because, yeah, a lot of check downs, a lot of, yep, yeah, and an advanced stage and everything. Um, let's close by asking you this. What do you got going on at the Vikings Wire and the Real Forno show? Well, uh, first off, you can follow me on Elon Musk machine at the Real Forno. Um, the Real Forno show on Vikings First and Schools YouTube channel. Um, we've got almost 1.7 thousand subscribers si- just since March. We've been building that thing up and we have a lot of stuff coming. Two shows a week, Monday and Wednesday nights at 6.05 p.m. Central Time, along with once the draft comes around, we're going to do a lot of NFL draft content. We're going to do um, individual shows, just breaking down like single players, talking about them with special guests, talking about them just myself. And we're going to have ourselves a really, really good time. And it's going to just be a lot of fun content. High recommend you go subscribe. And then the Vikings Wire, a lot of scouting reports, a lot of talking about the future and the current elements of the Minnesota Vikings. And it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we are we're having a lot of uh, really good stuff come out right now. And then once the season ends, we're going to have a lot, a lot, a lot more. Well, thanks for coming on, man. And go enjoy your birthday. I'm going to, I'm going to go eat some oysters. I can't wait. Some oysters. I'll just say, I would just stick to the DQ cake, but I uh, enjoy the oysters, man. <laughs> oh, dude. Oysters rule, man. It, like I went, to, I go down to mobile every year for the senior bowl and oh, oysters rock. I love them. I'll I'll have to live a little when I uh, give it a shot, but that's all the time we have for the Viking age podcast today. We do this every Monday with a late week episode right here on the Viking age YouTube channel. We're also on Apple and Spotify the very next day, but however you consume us, don't forget to rate, comment, share, and subscribe. So you never miss a new episode and we can share the word to the masses for Tyler Fornis. I am Chris Shad. This has been the Viking age podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.